For the nation news at ronandonradio.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode number 186 now of the Ron and Don Show. He's Ron, I'm Don. That's why we call it the Ron and Don Show for the last 26 years. Unbelievable. Anyway, we're live from the Les Schwab studios today. And coming up on the show, I'm going to tell you about a very tough conversation I just had with my mother and my therapist. And no, my mother is not my therapist, and my therapist is not my mother. They're two separate conversations about the same thing, though. And chances are, if you have a therapist who is your mother, you might be having these conversations, too. (laughs) Then you need a therapist. Yeah. Also, Barack Obama, President Barack Obama, has a brand new book coming out. And I read an excerpt from it last night. He also sat down and did a super soul conversation with my girl, uh, Oprah Winfrey. We're going to talk about that a little bit because he said something about being a black man in the White House and having other black men wait on him that I had never thought about, you guys. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Some great news now. Some great news now when it comes to COVID-19. And we've been talking about COVID-19 for eight months now. And never have I started a podcast saying some great news now. But, Ron, we have some great news when it comes to home testing. We also have some great news when it comes to some of the vaccines, right? Yeah, well, there's there's three fronts on this. There is the home testing thing. The FDA has approved a home test that you can take, and it gives you results in 30 minutes. It sounds like there's a little device. Uh, you take a sample, I believe a saliva sample, and you put it in the device. And then in a couple minutes, it gives you a light that either says positive or negative lights up. Uh, right now, the first batch is going to be by prescription only from your doctor. And uh, of course, so that the first responders and people can use them. So we, you won't be able to walk into a drugstore and get them yet. But so I think that's very good news. I would, I would love to have that because I'm a bit of a hypochondriac. And like if I'm traveling uh, somewhere, I'm going to, I'm making plans to visit my brother for Christmas. I would want to do it before I got on the plane. So those sort of things. The second thing that I find very encouraging is that in a preliminary study that has not been peer-reviewed yet, but in a preliminary study, they believe that the your immunity to COVID-19 could last for years. Mm. So current thinking is at three months. And I know some people that have COVID right now, and they have told me, my doctor said I should have immunity for at least three months. Now they're saying that uh, they think it could last for years. They did a sample of SARS patients from 17 years ago. Many of them still have the antibody cells in their system when they uh, when they test them. So mm. they, uh, they're very, very optimistic about that. So if you combine that with a 90 to 95% success rate on a couple of these different vaccines with those two other things, that is encouraging. Um, and then the only dark cloud that I can throw in there is the percentage of Americans saying they're willing to take said vaccine has been steadily dropping since the summer. So when they do polls, on if there was a vaccine available, would you take it? It was at like 68% in the summer and it's down to like 50% now. So, uh, these myths and conspiracy theories about vaccine injections and birth defects and learning disabilities, all of those things are very, uh, sticky. 
And people want to believe those, even though that is one of the most disproved theories of all time in modern medicine. Yeah, that's really interesting that you said that. And I was thinking about that this morning. I was driving down to Tacoma to a vacant house. And here in Seattle, if you're listening to us in other parts of the country, uh, we have some pretty stringent lockdown rules once again. And they're not as stringent as they were in March, but they're pretty stringent. And again, I just want people to know, and people rail against the governor, no one is sending in the Thanksgiving Day police and they're going to arrest you and grandma because you decide to sit down and have a turkey and you're going to have to beat them off with the turkey leg. That's not what's going on here. These are just very, very strong suggestions. And if you don't follow these suggestions, then as a result of that, we're going to see what I saw on I-5 this morning. It's 5.30 in the morning. I am driving from Seattle to Tacoma at 5.30 in the morning. You, and, and this would be uh, during the week, just, just midweek. You, you, you would have thought, you would have thought that there were 12 Seahawks games going on and everybody was rushing to get to the stadiums. I don't know why everybody was on the road driving from Tacoma to Seattle. Uh, it's not the week of Thanksgiving. There's no holidays. There was so much traffic out there. And I saw the response the other day of people going to Costco, buying toilet paper, doing that whole thing again. But but I think what happened initially, when a lot of us were willing to take the vaccine, it's because a lot of us thought we're going to die. Admit it. You thought you were going to die. You thought your kids were going to die. And then you just figured, you know what? Collateral damage, old people die. And you know what we learned is chances are if you're middle age and you don't have a compromised immune system, you're probably not going to die. We, we, we don't see ambulances full of kids uh, getting COVID and dying. That's not happening. That was our fear. That's why we started pulling our kids out of school and everything. I think now what people have decided is, well, screw this. Older people are dying. That's collateral damage. Old people are going to die. We don't have great respect for older people uh, in America anyway. We, we really never have. I mean, you think about what we did when we landed here in 1492 or whenever we got here and Columbus sailed the blue and all those other things that rhyme that we found out <laughs> isn't really true history. He didn't discover anything. Uh, he did discover bringing a lot of disease to this land and killing a lot of Native Americans, including older Native Americans. So I, I, I think, and this is kind of disgusting to me, you guys, I, I think a lot of us have punted on this disease. We know that a vaccine's coming. We're going to let somebody else take that vaccine. We figure if we don't get or if we get COVID, we now know people that have COVID. We've seen the president. He had COVID. He survived. And we figure maybe it's better just to survive it than to go out and get a, a vaccine that hasn't been tested for an awful long time. And old people and older people are going to die anyway. That's why people have decided, I'm going to get together with my family for Thanksgiving. I'm going to get to for Christmas. On our last podcast, I talked about the fact, well, hey, why don't you not get together with grandma and grandpa this Thanksgiving so you know they're going to be around for the next Thanksgiving? I shared something like that on my Facebook page. And somebody said, oh, you know what? Uh, we're all going to die at some point. I'm not going to have my Thanksgiving, my Christmas taken away from me. And so we're, we're going to have these big family gatherings anyway. And can I just point out that people that have gotten sort of used to this and, and laxed about it, 
We are having a 9-11 amount of a death toll of American 1,700 people a day right now. Every two to three days is like another 9-11. Yeah. Day in and day out. And so I just want people to recognize, as you've said before eloquently, oh, these people are going to die anyway. Not today. They might have died in five years or 10 years or 14 years. 14 years. They say people on average would live uh, 14 years more. And it is more. because of neglect. Yeah. The virus is killing them, but it is because of neglect. And I've had people look me in the eye and go, oh, well, that person had an underlying condition. Yeah. If you have heart disease, doesn't mean you're going to die today. It means, as Don just said, 14 years later. So, yeah, everybody has an underlying condition. It's called being alive. So, I mean, this it really is bothering me, this attitude that we've somehow become complicit with. Well, you know, 1,800 people a day, I guess that's just the price of doing business. No, it's not. Other countries don't have this. I, I have a friend by the name of Joanne. She had a Seahawk party. Her boyfriend was there. Three other people were there. A Seahawk party of five. They all got COVID. Her mom got COVID. Her mom is 82. And now there's fear that her mom may not make it. There, there should be fear. And, and this is what I want people to think about, too. And I think Governor Inslee, when he talked for two hours the other day, he should have just been quiet and said, I'm going to let you talk and hear from five nurses, five ER doctors, five ambulance drivers, five paramedics, and five people that have survived COVID and also five people uh, who've lost a loved one to COVID. And I think it would change your mind. Because if you looked at it this way, if you understand 22 to 25% of our hospitals are full around America, and you also understand those same hospitals have 22 to 25% less staff, that's because, and when the governor said the other day, in fact, he, he had a nurse jump on when he was talking to the state of Washington. This is a nurse from Spokane and said, please, we are tired. We've been doing this for eight months. Uh, we are wiped out. We can't continue doing this. And, and here's the real thing. Here's the real thing. Let's say on Thanksgiving, someone you love and care about, they get in a car accident. And will the ambulance driver be there in time to rush them to Harborview? And once they get to Harborview, will there be a bed for them? There may not be a bed for them because there's a COVID patient in that bed. And and that's the issue here. And that's why the multipliers are so severe right now. If you don't believe it, look at Canada. They had their Thanksgiving a couple of weeks ago, and now they're paying the price for it. We are paying the price because what we did at Halloween. Now here comes Thanksgiving. Here comes Christmas Eve. Here comes Christmas. Here comes New Year's, uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. And as a result of that, most of us are going to live and most of us are going to make it. But there are surely going to be people that die that don't have to die. And not just from COVID. People that had something else happen to them. A heart attack. Or there was something else that happened where they needed some type of testing and they didn't get it in time. And that hospital bed wasn't available, especially in small rural communities. Those people are going to die because we had to sit down on a Thursday and eat some turkey with my grandmother and we couldn't do it on Zoom. So anyway, think about that. The good news is really good news right now from Pfizer, from these vaccines that are coming out. And I think we have to continue to not lead by fear, but to lead by love. And to also, if you can't do this for any other reason, like maybe you don't have grandparents, maybe you don't have older people in your life, maybe they've passed on, do it for the healthcare workers, you guys. Make these sacrifices right now for these healthcare workers because they deserve our very best. It's the Ron and Don Show. We will see you on the other side of this. I don't think we'd have this house if, if it hadn't been for Ron and Don. If you find yourself dreaming about a new home, 
Go from just a dream to the dream team. Schedule your time at ronanddonsitdown.com. This house popped up. As soon as we saw it, Ron and Don were here. <laughs> Don came with Ron. He was incredibly well prepared. There were houses we were interested in. They would go and preview them if we wanted. One time, Ron went and then FaceTimed us as he walked through several houses for us so that we wouldn't have to come over and waste the trip. I was surprised how quickly, especially after meeting with Don, how quickly they kind of zeroed into what I was looking for. And I don't think we would have like found this house or been as successful with another realtor or doing it without, I can't imagine doing it without a realtor. I was just um, so impressed with their professionalism, their competence, their responsiveness, their respectfulness of our process. Ron uh, basically did a check for the areas that I said I was interested in buying. He gave us a whole list of uh, properties that were available. He came with us Sunday morning and we looked at probably five different places. It was a very smooth process. I think that they definitely brought their heart and soul. They did a great job. The market was super hot. We were just such beginners that we didn't know that we would be able to compete. We got so lucky. I don't think we could have gotten this house without Ron and Don. Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Hey, everybody, it's the Ron and Don Show, ronanddon.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 186 now of the Ron and Don Show. We're live from the Les Schwab Studios. And don't forget, the real estate market right now in the Puget Sound, it is crazy, you guys. It is crazy. That's why we've created these brand new guides. A lot of people in the Ron and Don Nation have been reaching out for these guides, right? Yeah, we have a buyer's guide and a seller's guide. So if you have just been thinking, I want to move, maybe you had a life event, uh, maybe you have an addition to the family, a subtraction to the family, whatever it is, and you need a different space, a bigger space, a smaller space, uh, just email me, ron at windermere.com. You can also check out some uh, stories of other people that have uh, worked with us at ronandonsitdown.com. I will send you the guide, and then we can uh, follow it up with the Ron and Don Sit Down. Yeah, there you go. Go. All right, you guys. Uh, coming up, I'm going to uh, tell you about a conversation I have with a therapist and also with my mother. And maybe it's a conversation you're having uh, over the holidays, too. Before we get to that, though, I want to talk about this. Uh, President Barack Obama has a brand new book coming out. I just read an excerpt from the book. He also just did an interview about the book with Oprah, 60 Minutes. And he's basically on a book tour right now before the book comes out because this is going to be a book. It's going to be. I think a lot of people are going to order this book. It, it may be more holiday. popular than our buyer and seller guide. Maybe. I, it, <laughs> well, this is what I appreciate because I, I read the excerpt and I appreciate, you can tell that he's writing the book and, and I really love to read books that people have actually written. And I'll give an example. I went back and I read, uh, George W. Uh, I read his book and I think it's called decision points. And it's supposed to be a memoir, but it wasn't. And you can tell that he's never journaled. He never took copious notes. He didn't understand when he was in the White House that he needed to start writing that book then. Uh, and the book is kind of interesting, but they're, 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 he calls them decision points and basically different points in his life. So there's one story that he shares in there. He's at a cocktail party. He's in his 40s. 
And he is starting to say things inappropriately at this cocktail party. And his wife tells him about it. And then he doesn't make a move on a woman at the table, but he says something inappropriate. And he's kind of open about it. And he said it was so embarrassing the next day, so embarrassing to his wife that he decided that was, and he doesn't see himself as an alcoholic, but he just said that was the last drink. And I never drank a drink after that. Then he goes on and talks about things that happened in the White House. But you can tell that a ghost writer sat down with him and a ghost writer, a ghost writer, <laughs> or a ghost writer. <laughs> sat down with him and he kind of just shared a couple things and then they wrote this book. You go back though and you look at a guy like Phil Knight who wrote the book Shoe Dog, you can tell that Phil Knight was a guy that's been journaling ever since he was a baby boy because the stories in there are so vivid. The timeline is so incredible. And it's all in his voice. If you've ever heard him interviewed and then you read that book, you're like, wow. Phil Knight sat down, wrestled with this, and really came out with a great memoir called Shoe Dog. And check it out. And, of course, he was the gentleman that started Nike. And now I'll pivot to Barack Obama. Same thing here. When I sat down and I read this excerpt, I'm like, wow. This guy not only journaled, but he knew he knew his place in history. He knew in some ways that the position that he was in uh, was bigger than himself. And he honored that by taking notes, writing very vivid stories. And that's what we're going to see in this new in this new book coming out. Well, the interesting thing, I don't know if you see the 60 Minutes interview or the uh, he's on with Colbert. He's going to be on with Oprah, as you said. When you we're, we become so anesthetized to gaslighting mm -hmm. and to flamboyant uh, lying that when you when you it, it was shocking for me to hear the interview. He's with Scott Pelley. He's in the uh, Washington D.C. the Hall of Presidents where they have a, the portraits, the official portraits mm. of all the presidents. And you're just listening to him. It's like, oh my god, these are two people having a conversation. Yeah. One person asked a question. The other person answered the question. Yeah. And then admitted when he did something wrong or uh, wish he would have done something a different way. It's 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 so unusual now to my ears because I've been on such a high alert against misinformation and propaganda and gaslighting and just blatant lies and and uh the up up is down and black is white that when you hear barack obama if you just take his politics and set it to the side doesn't matter if he's democrat or republican just someone that is listening and engaged on an interview tell us what happened when and then you get an actual storyline with complete sentences a coherent line of thought no uh, backhanded jabs or no uh demeaning nicknames no uh, uh um, attacks on minorities or uh transgender people or folks from mexico or people that don't believe like you or threats it, it's it's really refreshing to my ear and then you brought up the story when you teased at the top of the show of him telling this thing of the first time he gets to the white house and uh he is going about his business he says it's weird and so the first thing he did he is he took weird. his coat off mm. and he puts it on the back of the door handle like he's done for 25 years. And immediately a butler comes over, takes that jacket, opens a closet. And he said, in this closet was every piece of clothing I owned. Everything's perfectly pressed. You could see my reflection in the shoes. Uh, it's all lined up. And the, the butler basically told him, Mr. President, let me let me handle this. We're not just throwing jackets on top of chairs anymore. Well, well, here's here's what I loved about this. 
He knew every, see, he, in, in this excerpt of the book that I read, he's basically walking through the, night, the, the, the White House and he knows every single florist. He knows their back history. He knows if they've been there since the Nixon administration. He knows their families. He knows their mom and them. He knows why they're there. Uh, he knows their friends. He knows their mother's name. He knows their birthdays. Uh, and he was very uncomfortable with having butlers. And as he got to know the staff there, it was interesting because he's like, I am really uncomfortable as a black man having mostly, because these are mostly black men that were working in the White House that were waiting on him from his valets to the butlers, to the chefs. And the chef was actually an older African-American female. You could tell he's even uncomfortable with the word butler. Yeah, I, I, and I'm uncomfortable here. And, and this is what he said. He said, you know, for a lot of these men that have worked there, and they've worked generationally for other presidents, they always work for white presidents and, and, and white families. And when he went in there, he said that they had shared with him, for some of them, that they have been waiting for someone that looks like them for an awful long time. And to serve him and to serve his presidency and to really be a part of his presidency was very important to them. It was very, very important. And they said, we don't want to, because he was like, can you guys just wear khakis and call me uh, Barack? And they're like, no, we are calling you Mr. President, and you are going to get nothing less than every other president they did, that we've He had. did convince them to take the t- tuxedos off, and they said, okay, we'll wear khakis and polo shirts. He did convince them, can we please take our, our plates when they're dirty from the dinner table uh, to the kitchen? And they, he got some people to call him POTUS yeah. instead of Mr. President. He liked POTUS instead of that. He did convince them that, hey, my little girls, when they wake up in the morning, they need to clean their own rooms before they go to school. And, and then the other thing was that he didn't like is he didn't like having the press corps with him all the time. And he asked uh, Robert Gibbs at the time, he said, do they have to follow me everywhere? What if I just want to go on a date with Michelle? What if I just want to go on a walk? He talked about Harry Truman when he was at the White House. He would leave the White House and he would walk through the streets of Washington early in the morning. We know that Bill Clinton sometimes would sneak Didn't out and go to Roosevelt Mac- do a solo camping trip for like three weeks. Yeah, he talked about He talked to Roosevelt would 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 be out here at Mount Rainier and down at Grand Canyon and he'd be riding around on horseback. So he had shared this with Robert Gibbs and he said, hey, look. Here's the deal that I made. They are going to leave your daughters out of this. The press is going to leave your daughters out of this. But that means that you have to be available. So if you go to a bowling alley, if you go swimming somewhere, if Michelle goes to Soul Cycle, whatever it is, the press corps is going to come along. That happened for eight straight years, 12 to 16 hours a day, wherever he was at, the press corps came along and he thought, you know what, that's a pretty good deal if we can leave my girls Are, are you going to read this book? What's that? Are you going to read it? Absolutely, because he wrote it. And I, I appreciate when, in, in, even if people aren't great writers, I like, like I, I couldn't get through the Michelle Obama book, and that's me. That's on me. I know everybody loved it and had rave reviews. Uh, I, tell me how it is, because I might try with, it after with you With Michelle get into the Obama's review. book, I couldn't get through the love story with her and Barack. Like, that's where it, I was done. It came off the rails. I haven't finished but it, it. But in the beginning of the book, when she talked about coming from a family of triers, and then she talked about her early, her early years growing up in Chicago before she met him, that to me was worth the price of the book and worth the, the price of admission. So anyway, he has a new book coming out. I think it's interesting because some people are now saying when you look at Scott Pelley and Oprah and everybody else that they're, they're being so nice to the former president. Why couldn't they be that nice to the current president? 
Hey, we come back. A conversation I have with my therapist and my mother. Maybe you're having this conversation too. We'll talk about it. Episode 186, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Thanks for being a part of the Ron and Don Nation. Subscribe to the Nation News at ronanddonsitdown.com. A behind-the-scenes look at everything Ron and Don. All right, you guys, before we get out of here, episode uh, 186, don't forget you can find Ron and I, not just here in the Let's Schwab studios, but also find us online at ronanddonsitdown.com. That's ronanddonsitdown.com. And Charlie's a good boy because he just sat down. (laughs) (laughs) Good job, Charlie. Good boy, Charlie. Good boy, Charlie. That's a good sit. That's a good sit down. You're sitting down with Ron and Don. He is. He is. Totally. Anyway, yeah. Charlie the dog, doing a great job. Hey, uh, this is kind of interesting. My mom had gone and visited family in Colorado a number of months ago, and then she is now uh, going to be at home for the holidays. She was supposed to come here to Seattle. She lives down in New Mexico. Uh, she lives alone. Her husband died a number of years ago. In fact, this time of year uh, is when he died. And my mom is, she is a strong, strong woman. She has never felt sorry for herself. She raised four kids. She never went on government assistance. Nothing wrong with government assistance, you guys. She just never did. Uh, and I'm, I am so proud of the woman, the human, and the hero that she is to me. She's about to turn 78 in December. So she'll be 78 years young. She has fought breast cancer. Uh, so she's part of the sisterhood. And, 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 and with COVID now, I just, I, what I don't want to have happen is if my son gets COVID or I get COVID, I don't feel like he and I are probably going to die from it. I feel we could probably get pretty sick, but I don't want to pass that along to her because my mom is, you know, in one of these categories uh, where COVID could really do a number on her. So she's really isolated. She doesn't go out much. Uh, she hasn't traveled much. The only time she's traveled again was a few months ago to go to Colorado. There's a new baby in our family. And now that we're seeing this third wave, we always heard there was a first wave. We not, never got to the second wave. And now they're telling us there's a third wave. So I get confused by all the waves. But nonetheless, when you have 1,700 people dying a day, when there's a 9-11 happening in this country every two days, 9-11 happening every two days. Think about this, the war in Iraq and Afghanistan that's been going on for a couple decades. That's 7,000 souls. Think about Vietnam. That's 54,000 souls. We are approaching numbers right now that would be comparable to World War II when we look at just the amount of Americans that have died, and then when we also look at souls that have died worldwide. And people are dying too young. They weren't supposed to die at this age. So, so I had a conversation with her, and I said, hey, um, I don't think that you should come here for Thanksgiving. And it's going to be myself and my son, and maybe maybe Ron will stop by. I don't know. Charlie the dog. That's going to be it. Uh, and so we had a conversation about that and jumping on a Zoom call and, and, and some other things. And, and, and so we had this conversation, and then I heard from her a couple of days later, and she had made a decision that she was going to get in a car uh, with some family members that are – they're not blood. They're just they're, – they're associated by marriage. And that she was going to get a car and go see some of my siblings up in Colorado. And again, there's a new baby and my cousins are up there. My siblings are up there. I have lots of family there. And I got very, very concerned. And so I talked to my therapist about this, Priscilla. And I'm like, Priscilla, what do I, how do I, how do I have this conversation with my mother? 
because she's 78 years old. And when you're 78, you've kind of already dealt with the fact that you're going to die. And, and I think that's why I don't, I don't think people that are older are, are cavalier. I think well, you're also uh, an adult. Yeah. Like, you're, you're, you, you, you're, know, you're, you have the capacity to make informed yeah. decisions. Yeah. They're, they're not children. They, yeah. they, they have lived a life. What I can imagine though, and, 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 and we haven't heard enough from enough people that have passed COVID along to someone that they loved and that person died. Like, I want to hear more of those interviews. Uh, and I haven't heard a lot of those interviews, but, but that certainly has happened. Well, we just had that in the Eastern part of the state, a, a wedding that was supposed to be capped at 30 people as 300 people. Yeah. And it's caused multiple super spreader events out of that one wedding. Cause the masks were optional six hour reception, uh, after that with dancing and, and the whole, everything you would do at a wedding with 300 people. And it is wreaking havoc among those extended families yeah. and friends. Yeah. And I have people like in my family that are people of faith and they'll say, Hey, you know, we're, we're Jesus people and, and, and Jesus covers this. And man, I, I get it. I, I was a pastor in an evangelical church when I was very young, a, a youth pastor for seven years. So, so I understand what's going on here for whatever reason, whether Jesus liar, lunatic, Zachary said he was, he has not intervened. He has not intervened with the 250,000 dead Americans. He has not. Those people died. And medically, they died too young. I keep saying 14 years because it's true. So no matter what your faith is, if we look at the facts, if we look at faith and facts, and I think you can do both. I think you can, I, I think you can believe in a higher power, and I think you can also embrace science. And the science is telling us to stay home. And so that was the conversation that I had with Priscilla. And so I got on the phone with my mother and I just, I just kind of pleaded with her and I told her my truth and my mom, I don't know if I changed her mind, but the really cool thing about her is she listened to me. I felt heard by her. She didn't feel beat up by me. Uh, she just, she listened. And so then I told her that I, that I'm not going to talk about this anymore and whatever she decides to do, I support but now what I've started to do is I've started to send her articles. <laughs> yeah. You're that guy. Here's an article from the own network. And, and, and that's the thing. It's like, okay, I promised you. I would, And she didn't ask me to promise her, but I just said, hey, thanks for listening. I'm not going to speak about this anymore. Uh, but then I didn't promise that I wasn't going to send 10 articles that, Every that support what I shared today. Right. So anyway, what are your feelings about with, with, with your folks, COVID holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, or you, you, I know that you've seen them this year. Are you going to go back and see, I haven't seen my mom and I miss her so much. This is very hard. I haven't seen her since Thanksgiving of last year. That was the last time that I saw her when, when, when she was here. Uh, I'm actually day. going to visit my brother for Christmas, but, uh, he lives their whole life is pretty much isolation, as you know. Like, he literally yeah. lives in a town of maybe a couple dozen people. Uh, there is nobody within a quarter mile of his house. And so, if you're going to be so, I mean, it's, it's the definition of socially distant. Mm. So, uh, I am going to do that. I'm, I'm trying to, I have a bit of a hypochondriac streak in me. Uh, and so, I'm trying to um, bridle that. Because I, I, you, you know me. I am pretty conscientious, uh, and don't do risky behaviors. I, I always wear my mask when I'm out and about. And so I, uh, these events though with unknown quantities, trying to stay stay clear of that. I guess. Yeah. I and and 
and I'll just end with this. I really believe that the, there will be people that we save this holiday season that will be around the next holiday season. And, and I understand when people say, hey, I got to live my life and person of faith and all that. And I get that and accept it too. I just, I was glad that my mother actually listened to me. Uh, and that was nice. So, and I listened to her. Kind of nice as you get older, you can have those conversations. And you're not yelling at each other! RunningDownSitDown.com. That's our website if you want to get in touch with us. And thanks for listening to us today, you guys. Episode 186, we appreciate you so much as we head towards 800,000 spins now of the Ron and Don Show. That's unbelievable, and that's all thanks to you. And thank you for allowing us this year to be a part of your real estate journey. When you're ready to sit down with us, let's do it. We'll do it virtually. RonandDonSitDown.com. He's Ron. I'm Don. That's Charlie. Right? Charlie the dog. Yeah, we're talking about it. We'll see you next time for episode 187 only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ah! I'm not kidding. <laughs>